Welcome back to the Dominion Podcast, episode number 43. I'm going to start us off with a little scripture from Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So glad to have you back. And I'm so glad to be in the hot seat tonight. I got the I got the solo chair. I don't have to share my chair with anybody. So, and I get to share my chair with this lovely lady. That's right. We're in well, the love seat. Let's uh, might as well introduce our special guest. Of course, you know me as your newly minted alpha host. We've got uh, Alex has been promoted to beta host for the evening, unfortunately, but. Uh, who uh who are you? What are you I'm, doing here? I'm Rebecca Kusterman. <laughs> I'm this this guy's wife. That's great to have you here. It's nice to be here with you guys. Why uh, why did he invite you? You just got tired of hanging out with me every week or what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we need a feminine touch up in the upper forty. Well it's it doesn't make it worse, I'll tell you that much. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's, that's a good. nice flavor. Well well we thought we would talk about marriage tonight, eh? Yeah. So um when I, I texted you and said, Why don't we talk about marriage and dominion? I thought Oh, it'd be good to have my wife there, at least a wife. And uh, my wife is... One of your wives? What, yeah. what do you mean, a wife? <laughs> I mean, it would be good to have a wife, and I thought my wife is Oh, great. I see, I see. I got it, I got you. Sorry. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so we thought we would talk about the role of marriage and the task of dominion. You know, we, we talk a lot about dominion, and we believe that this is getting at the heart of what it means to be a human. You just read the text. Um, the created in God's image, we have been given the responsibility to take dominion, that is to live under the rule of Christ and rule over creation in his name. And um, I think what is sometimes overlooked is the centrality of marriage in that task. That's right. And it's not to say that as a single person, you cannot fulfill that role uh, as a child, as someone who before you get married, that you can't. Mm -hmm take part in that glorious task, but um, it's an inescapable reality that marriage is central to God's plan of taking dominion. Mm -hmm. And we see that because it's really one of the first things God does Yeah, after the creation, right? Is yeah. he, he institutes marriage. Yeah. Well, I mean, we see God repeatedly say that it is good, it is good, it is good um, after he creates things. But we see that the first thing that wasn't good was a was a man that was alone. It's not right. good that man is alone. And so God creates a helper suitable or fit for him. Now, it's interesting. We were talking a bit offline uh, just about how um, when people think about the purpose of marriage, yeah. they're generally not thinking about dominion. They're thinking about companionship or romantic yeah. uh, fulfillment or yeah. those types of things. Yeah, pragmatic, joining of resources, yeah. having children. So when God says it wasn't good, yeah, um, he's not saying it's not necessarily not good for those reasons, but it's not good because the man can't fulfill his purpose yeah, exactly. by himself. Yeah, and, and you read, it's, it's interesting that he says, let them take dominion, not yeah. let him. And there's something that's central to the task of of mankind um, that cannot be fulfilled alone. And we'll we'll get into this. Um, but one of the, this brings up many things. One of them is just that man is not self sufficient. Um, obviously, man is dependent upon God. Adam was in a garden sanctuary. Um, it was essentially a temple, and the 
Um, the account of Genesis bears this out in a variety of ways. It was an elevated place. The river flowed down, um, faced east, this type of thing. And the language of to um, to work and to keep is used later of the priests, the Levites. And so the, the image of Adam is, is as a worshiper. But it's interesting that even his task as a priest unto God in this garden sanctuary, he couldn't fulfill by himself. Mm-hmm. And so when we think about the Christian life, often we we talked about pietism. I encourage um, listeners and viewers to go check that out. But we've reduced the responsibilities of the Christian life to kind of like spiritual devotions and right. church attendance. And those things are absolutely crucial, but they are kind of like working out. I mean, the purpose of working out is so that you can get strong, so that you can do things. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, what are those things? Like, you don't you don't exist only to go to church, right? You that is part of what we exist for, but but our worship, as Paul says in Romans twelve, is a wholehearted, all of life worship. We offer up our whole bodies right. unto God as our as our sacrifice. And so then, okay, so what does our job have to do with that? What does our um, and then marriage have to do with it? And so, if we want to go back to the te- the text, we see that, oh, if dominion is a purpose of humanity, that's actually a shared task. Mm. Um, we see this, obviously, I mentioned that he said, let them take dominion. But we see that even the, the call to be fruitful and multiply is something that's impossible for a man to do by himself. That's mm-hmm. right. Now, we're getting in all these wacko, um, gender-bending things where, you know, men can be pregnant and this type of... Pregnant people. Pregnant people, just absolute absurdity. But the fact remains, the fact remains, only women can get pregnant. Mm -hmm. Um, Isn't it so funny? Yeah, I'm a non-lactating person. Yeah, exactly. I definitely cannot get pregnant. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And then there's other, you know, other things as well. You don't have a womb, you know? Yeah, there's that whole... There's that whole thing. XY chromosome thing kind of getting in my way. Yeah, an inconvenience. Yeah. but but bearing children is not uh is not um just something for traditionalists it's it's literally central to life i mean yeah. there's the human race doesn't continue without um children but we see that the coming together as man as and woman and the bearing children is central to the task of dominion mm-hmm. it's primary for sure i yeah. mean uh, like we just read it's it's really the first thing that god does yeah um, yeah. And so I think in an age where we are getting away from that, where we we obscure the uniqueness of women, I mean, in a grand irony, mm-hmm. we've, we've yeah. you know, feminism has been fighting supposedly for the rights of women for so long in the last five years is women have become nothing. Like literally, they are not a thing. There's nothing distinctive about them. There's nothing unique about them whatsoever. Um and the family is obviously disintegrating. I mean, there's a all-out assault on the role of parents. Mm-hmm. And um, we look at the, I mean, the, the the recent bill that Peterson was talking about that is trying to enshrine um, critical race theory in school totally undermines this the reality um, and the authority of parents. And um, this is all an assault. Uh, by our great enemy and his followers against the yeah. against the dominion of God. I was thinking about this on the way over, and you can almost tell what the really important things are by where the devil 
puts his efforts. Yeah, exactly. What does right? he attack? And what does he attack? Those are the things that we need to be guarding. And yeah. those are the things mm-hmm. we need to be um, um, gardening. Yeah. Right. And what's yeah. the first thing God uh, that Satan attacks? Right, it's the relationship between yes. the man and the woman. He comes between them. He comes between them. Yeah, he inverts the the authority role. Whereas Adam was meant to protect, and to teach and instruct. You know, he he passively lets some stranger come in and lead and guide his wife into yep. error. And 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 she, rather than listening to the voice of God and the instruction of her husband, listened to the deception of the devil. And and we see this in the curse, Genesis three. There will be enmity. Um, and not just between the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent, but there's a hostility that exists between a man and a woman. You know, you, he will rule, your desire will be for him and he will rule over you. And this mm-hmm. is an, an image of um, domination. Mm-hmm. Whereas the man was given the task of dominion and, and servant leadership and caring and cultivating, protecting his wife, it turns into a, a domination and her, it turns into a, a refusal to follow mm-hmm. and uh, constant hostility. So this is something, this is not since the 60s or whatever. This is since literally the creation of our species and the fall mm-hmm. into sin. There's been um, a threat to the central institution of humanity, which is marriage. Yeah. yeah. And we need to recover this because I think even as Christians in the last 10, 20 years with same-sex marriage and stuff, the world wants to make us feel as though we're defending an archaic institution, yeah. as if it, as if there is no greater meaning to it. It's just the result of tradition. Yeah, it's just it, old. It's just old. It just happens to be around for, um, forever. Yeah, and the the main, you know, ethics these days are progressive ethics, which is the only thing you need to do to justify something is to say that it's new, and the only thing you need to do to demonize something is to say that it's old. Mm-hmm. We live in the opposite of a traditional culture. Um, but marriage is not important because we've done it a long time. I mean, we've done it a long time because it's important. And um, another thing we see in Genesis is just that, um, to drive this home, is that marriage has enormous purpose. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And as much as personal fulfillment and romantic satisfaction and, and all these things are come with it, it's a wonderful thing to know the purpose of your relationship to your spouse. Yeah. And, and it totally um, changes everything. I mean, well, the, my, theme, the theme is all through Genesis. I mean, it's all yeah. through all of Scripture, right? Yeah. I've heard it said that uh, Scripture opens with a marriage and it ends with a marriage. Exactly. Right? Yeah, that's a great point. And even when we're saved, I mean, Ephesians 5, Paul tells um, husbands to love their Wives as Christ loved the church, and he explains that marriage is actually referring to the relationship of Christ and the church. Yeah. So it's actually a reflection of the relationship of Jesus for his bride, mm-hmm. the church. So, I mean, marriage is just loaded um, with significance. And I think what that, I mean, that that helps in a ton of ways. You could maybe weigh in on back. But once once you realize that the most important thing in your relationship, and this is true of any relationships, friendships, um, that it isn't about you. Yeah. It's actually about God and His glory and manifesting His nature and His character, um, most fully seen in the gospel, to the world. Mm-hmm. Like that is that is a very different yes. posture, and I, I 
when you put the weight of personal fulfillment and total satisfaction on any relationship, whether it's a friendship, whether it's an employer, whether it's a, a church member or a marriage or a children thing, it can't bear that weight yeah. because it, it can't hold that weight. Um, but when you see that your marriage is part of a grander story and can have a, a significance, look, we hope to make it to 80. You know, we had a time this past year where we didn't think that was going to happen. Um, but we can we can have a great, God-glorifying, successful, meaningful marriage, um, how, however long and how short it is. But have, have you not found that? Like when you think about not just the nuts and bolts of marriage, but the purpose of it, it actually helps you deal with the nuts and bolts. A hundred percent. And the nut bars. <laughs> Are you saying keep, you're keep a nut bar? Away. <laughs> <laughs> Got a nut allergy over here, folks. <laughs> yeah, it changes everything on the ground in your marriage um, when you are focused on what the purpose of marriage is, which is to glorify Christ. Like this is a picture of Christ's relationship to his bride, his people. Mm. Yeah. Um, and it's changed our marriage. Um, I was saying that to Alex when he invited me to come tonight. Well, the first thing I'm just going to say is like, obey Jesus, you know, all the Mm -hmm. ladies listening. Um, It isn't about your husband's perfection, his obedience, how well he's loving you, all the things that drive you mental about him. Um, Every marriage, you're married to a sinner, you know, it's two sinners who say I do. And have I ever driven you mental? Oh yeah. Never. (laughs) Um, but honestly we had a huge shift for the better in our marriage when I stopped looking at you and the things that you were doing wrong in my eyes Um, and I decided you know what what I'm doing isn't working which is the nagging the insisting that if he would only be respectable then I will do what I'm supposed to do and respect him I will submit I will do all the things that I know I should be doing when he gets his act together and mm-hmm. uh, we, we literally were in a stalemate mm-hmm. um, because I was adding to whatever disobedience there was on your part. That's not what I'm talking about here, but even if there was, how does adding my disobedience to your disobedience actually result in something good? Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was when I said, no, like this is about Christ. This is about me following Jesus and walking in obedience regardless of what I think needs to change. And ironically, that was what needed to change. Mm-hmm. And things turned around for us in mm-hmm. our marriage when that happened. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And this this kind of gets into, I mean, what's beneath what you're saying is that there actually are distinct responsibilities and yes. roles that men and women carry in marriage. Mm-hmm. So now it's like, okay, Alex, we've established that marriage is important to God's purposes and the taking of dominion. Um, what does that mean on the ground? And we've been working through this at church, but we mm-hmm. see that there um, is such a thing as a man and a husband mm-hmm. and that they have unique responsibilities. And there's such a thing as a woman and a wife and they have unique responsibilities and they are um, fitted for those duties and those tasks. And in our in our dumpster fire of an egalitarian age, I mean, even suggesting that there are distinctions is an inherent inequality. That's yeah. the philosophy of the age, which is on its face, um, a contradiction, you know? And it's just a ridiculous philosophy, but it has the moral high ground right now. So Mm -hmm. the goal of an egalitarian society is to make everyone the same, because same equals equal. 
Um, but that's that's not what the Bible talks about. The Bible has equality in the midst of disagreement or difference, rather. Mm-hmm. And this is actually a much more beautiful picture. You don't right. need to paint everything the same color. Well, and who are the happiest women you know? My wife. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. The happiest women I know are the ones that are with their children, teaching their children. Who are the most miserable women we know? Like yeah. the ones that, you know, maybe are going to work in some office. Hating like, it. And hating it. And, and somehow that's... I was talking to one of our listeners this week about it who was commenting on our cultural Christianity episode. Um, but I said, it's just so funny how the egalitarian mindset thinks that a woman leaving the house and going to work for some a mindless job for some boss that doesn't care about her, for some corporation that who cares? Yeah. Like somehow that is supposed to be more fulfilling than uh, working in the home, working yeah. for your family. Yeah. Uh, like being with your children, raising your children. Like yeah. how is that less fulfilling? Well, it's because they bought the narrative that it, and they've been told, you know, for decades that it's, it's a form of um, dehumanizing subjugation. It's a prison. The home yeah. is a prison that you need to break free from. And a strong woman yeah. is one who is not limited to those um, boundaries. But but that's just, um, it, it's just a terrible narrative. As with all lies, is a, they need to believe some false narrative, right? So there's the idea of emancipation. You know, I need to be free to pursue whatever I want. But that's, that's not actually it's true. Envy. It's that's envy. why men leave their wives yeah. and, you know, yeah. it, it's a dead end. So... The the question then becomes, you know, well, what is the role of men in marriage and what is the role of women? And if we were to define the man's role, um, we would say that the husband is the head of the home, and um, which we see in Genesis and we see explicitly in Ephesians 5, mm-hmm. um, that the man is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. And in Genesis, we see this, and, and by by headship, we don't mean dictator. Um, we mean someone who bears the responsibility to lead. And we see this responsibility when God comes to the couple after they've sinned, although he's sinned first, he goes to Adam, and he calls out to him, and he speaks to him. And we see in Romans 5, I think, um, it is because of Adam that sin came into the world and mm-hmm. through sin, death. So even though Adam wasn't guilty for his wife's sin, he was responsible. Right. And this is what it means to be the head. It's that you bear ultimate responsibility that the relationship glorifies God. Mm-hmm. That's essentially what it means. But because our culture has so demonized authority in general and male authority in particular, that when you talk about any kind of male authority, um, especially over a woman, it's immediately put into negative light. Right. Yeah, we've talked about the difference between dominion and domineering in yes. the past. And that's yes. what that's the caricature. Yeah. Right. Yeah. People take uh a sinful expression of headship yeah. and equate that with the godly expression yeah. that we're supposed to have. Yeah. 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 So I would say the husband's responsibility is to lead his family. And we also see in Genesis that he placed Adam in the garden to work it and to keep it or to protect and to provide Mm -hmm. and to cultivate. Um, And so a husband, and Paul fleshes this out in Ephesians 5, to nourish and to cherish his wife and work towards her sanctification, her transformation into the image of Jesus, not to use his wife for his own gratification and 
and you know selfish desires, but to serve his wife in love as Christ served the church mm-hmm. um, for her good. And um, well, let's stop there for a yeah. second. I mean, how did Christ serve the church? Well, he died for her. That's right. Yeah, literally. Like, yeah, literally laid down his life. Um, and and he's coming back at some point, and will take her as a bride. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. And so here here's where we're back to this imagery of the. The, the husband and the wife are a picture of Christ and the church, not mm-hmm. incidentally, but mm-hmm. at its core. I mean, that's yeah. what God wanted to do with, with marriage was, yes. to, was to show what the relationship between Christ and his people would be, mm-hmm. which is a beautiful thought. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And I mean, even in the church, I think a lot of guys would amen to that. Like men kind of know Christian men know that they have a responsibility and that when you place that responsibility on their shoulders, um, they feel that's good. I mean, we, I experienced this with you when we were, before we were even dating, we were having our first, we're hanging out in a group (laughs) setting and uh, somehow we started talking about like dating dating and stuff like this. And, And the idea was brought up that a man should pursue a woman which is, of course, patently obvious and, and biblical. And I actually felt somewhat repulsed by that initially, probably because of my own insecurity and defensiveness. And I, I, my position was that, look, if, you know, if she wants it, she can come and get it kind of thing. And I felt like, that's not right that I should have to put myself on the line like, and sacrifice myself. And then Rebecca, um, it's amazing we actually got married. Oh, yeah. <laughs> There was a big axe next to him in yeah, my mind so, at that point. So I point. opened my mouth and it was like, eh. So she didn't want it and she wasn't coming to get it. No, no. not at that's, all. That's right. Okay. And and she just read from Ephesians <laughs> about how Christ loved the church and lay himself down for her. And it actually just, it clicked. Like it, it clicked. Like it was like, oh yes, obviously. It was like the first, it, it felt like I finally knew who I was. Like who I was supposed to be. It's like, yeah, I'm supposed to be a guy who's not a selfish, narcissistic guy. Um, I'm supposed to be like a, a guy who gets over himself and, you know, bears responsibility and takes the risk of a relationship. And it actually just made me happy to know that. So I yeah. think a lot of guys will almost, you call them up to something and they're like, yeah, that's good. But when we transition to maybe the women's role, um, you know, where it says that, you know, God made a helper fit for him. It's like, oh, wait, gonna what? Going to get us canceled. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Watch out. Yeah. Um, yeah, so th- then there's a lot of red flags, and, and and we need to maybe unpack what does God mean by helper. And uh, Trillia Newbell actually has a helpful definition. She said, a helper is someone um, who supplies strength in the area that is lacking. And that's that's good because that gets at the idea that man was lacking, yeah. that it wasn't good that he was alone. And in our culture, it's kind of like you're either a totally passive guy or you're totally self-sufficient. And while self-reliance and the development of the character and the virtues um, of self-reliance are good things because they can help people, the idea of total self-reliance is just a false, there's no such thing as a fully self-reliant man. That we need each other. We need our not just our wives. We need our brothers and sisters. We need our pastors. We need our. Mm-hmm. Um, we need everyone, you know, in a variety of different ways. But the idea of a helper is supplying strength where where it is lacking, 
And before we jump to the conclusion that this is inherently patronizing and demeaning, as many would today, we want to recognize that God himself um, declares himself to be the helper of his people Mm -hmm. uh, repeatedly in Scripture. And the name, um, the God of my father was my help and delivered me from the sword of Pharaoh. That's Exodus 18.4. May he send you help from the sanctuary and give you support for Zion, Psalm 22. And Psalm 33.20, our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and shield. Um, You are my help and deliverer, Psalm 75. Blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God, Psalm 146.5. So being a helper is not a demeaning thing, it's an exalted thing. Um, Again, we've let other people create caricatures of these. And define terms. Yes. And then when they define the term, we just, we're like, well, we don't want to be that. Helping is not, go get me a beer out of the fridge. No. No. Right, that's not what we're talking about. No. We're talking about... Not that I have a problem with somebody getting somebody a beer if they want. 100%. Or a coffee or whatever, a glass of wine. Yes. If you're more sophisticated, perhaps. (laughs) A fruit smoothie. (laughs) (laughs) Made a lot of those in our day. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so a woman's... It's actually a woman's dignity and her glory to reflect God as a helper. Yes. And Jesus himself gets on the fact that the world doesn't understand leadership, doesn't understand authority. The Gentiles lord it over people. Um, And when people reject helper, one, it could be because they've been... Authority is often abusive in this world, or it's that they themselves have an abusive view of authority and they're like, oh, that's not good. But according to scripture, being a helper is is not only a dignified thing, it's an exalted thing. Well, that's one of the titles of the Holy Spirit as well. Yes. Yeah, the helper. Jesus is going to send, I'm going to send you another helper. Yes. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And so, and I mean, we've experienced that in marriage. Like, obviously, Rebecca, um, I couldn't do, I couldn't. Like I'm a public face, right? So I'm a pre- I preach, and people look at my preaching and stuff, and they see that. But like who I am, and even that, just is not possible without Rebecca. Yeah. Like I couldn't be that guy without my wife, and in in a thousand ways. Um, but it just it just wouldn't happen, and that seems so apparent to me. So I just don't have this. It's like oh, you're a helper. Like I'm raising daughters. And I pray to God that they grow up to be helpers because I know what kind of help that is. Like I I pray to God that if they are to get married, that they will be the kind of wives that would, their husband would rise up and call them blessed and would praise their name in the gates and would tell all his friends just, he couldn't get over how helpful they are. And he, he constantly is confessing his own insufficiency. Like those are the kind of women who step into the gaps, um, that I want to raise. And and irregardless of marriage, you know, if they are like the women who follow Jesus and yes. provided for him out of their means, um, be the kind of woman who gets to work. Yes, who supplies strength where it is lacking. Yeah. In every sphere that you find yourself in and that that is a glorious thing. Yeah. It's not a demeaning thing, you know? So yeah. where, do you, where do you find my strength lacking and how do you help with that? Is that a is that uh, a legit can, question? Yeah, we can say yeah, it. Go for it. We're all friends. <laughs> I wasn't planning on that question. Um, well, you can think about it. Well, organizationally, I would yeah. say, like planning, like I'm the scheduler. Yeah, people in our church know that if they want to make an appointment, they go to her. Right. So literally, I had a brother like set up a meeting with him 
a few Sundays ago. And then he came to me. He's like, you know, you're the helper because we've been going through this sermon series. So I'm just letting you know this date at this time. He said yes. So then I went and wrote it on the calendar. But that would be that would be one. Yeah. Um, There's uh-huh. a lot of ways. There are a lot of ways. He can't have babies. That's true. This is true. Yeah. And you've had two beautiful babies. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. And the mother. I mean, this is the sad, the sad thing. And you, you even see the conflict that our culture is in because they, they want to, in some ways, uphold the dignity of women. Like at least they say, they're undermining it with this, this wacko philosophy. Um, but women know. And and we want to say as Christians, I mean, there's something that a mother offers to her mm-hmm. children that a father just doesn't. Yeah. And vice versa. There's something that a father offers that a that a mother just doesn't. Mm-hmm. And God can provide for you and make up for lack in ways if you find yourself alone, you know, if you're a single mom or a single dad. Um but moms matter. Yes. And there there are things that a mother can teach her sons and daughters. We see this in the book of Proverbs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This isn't just me blathering on that that the father tells his son to listen to the instruction of his mother. Yeah. To bind them around his heart. That don't just listen to me. Um you you obey your mother and you watch her and you see the outcome of her life and the things that she says to you to do, you do, and the things that she tells you to avoid, you avoid those things. Um so, I mean, that's a, yeah, that's a great example. Like, as a mother, obviously, she makes it up. I thought of one. Yeah. Another one um, would be in the area of homemaking. Yeah. A woman is uniquely um, designed by God to be homeward focused yeah. and directed towards the home. And so, when I neglect my duties in that regard, our home just is not a peaceful place. Yeah. Um, but when you when you give yourself to those things, it's an entirely different life. Yes. Like when you when you come home and your wife has made a happy home. Yes. And and there's a lot that goes into that. Um it's the attitude of her heart and welcoming and and serving and helping. It's filling the, it with beauty. Filling yes. it with beauty like aesthetically. Yeah. Um the order that she brings to the it. The atmosphere I mean, of the home. It's Not, funny because yeah. I'm a disorganized guy. I'm in my head all the time and it's like I'm thinking about things and I look around and I'm just like, what happened to this place? <laughs> and it's it's because I'm I'm not giving attention to those things. Yeah. Um and there's not to say that I, I don't need to become more orderly, that that's a fair criticism. But when Rebecca has the home just on lockdown order, mm-hmm. it's like my soul just feels restful. Like I can't even articulate it. It's just it's just like an unconscious rest Mm -hmm. and I'm able to focus on the work that I need to do. Like the creative thought is just so much easier. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, and the companionship, you know, like obviously we, we need friends. And when you go through deep valleys and you deal with the difficulties of life, as all people do, not just everyone does. um, It's good to be around someone you just enjoy, right? It's like, Hey, it's nice to be around someone I'm not wondering if I can trust them or or you know, dealing with such heavy weighty things. Um someone you just are around just to enjoy. Just enjoy their company. And it's life-giving. And I thought of another one. What's that? Making lots of love. Yeah. <laughs> that is a command. It's a command and it's not possible with just one person. That's true. So, yeah. 
yeah, do not come apart, Paul says. Mm-hmm. And um, we we talk about how, you know, Scripture before you're married is saying, do not be together. <laughs> when yeah. you're married, it's like, do not come apart. Yeah. Right. And I think <clears throat> the the temptation is obvious that that signifies that when you're not married, you're tempted to be together and when you shouldn't. And, and and we we know that temptation. And when you're married, the temptation is actually the opposite. And you wouldn't think it's true before you're married. You're like, how how could someone ever? Why would Paul ever need to say that? Mm-hmm. But it's true that the intimacy in your life, whether it's it's sexual intimacy or just emotional intimacy, is impeded by the cares of life, um, by the stresses that you're dealing with, uh, just. A thousand things, you know, get in the way that you didn't think it did, and you have to, you have to prioritize that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, obviously, physical intimacy is an amazing gift of marriage, and um, really helps. Uh, really helps, and it's if you're single, it's it's a it's a struggle, mm-hmm. and it's we we tell young men, it's like unless you have the gift of celibacy, like you need to think. And but I was gonna say think long and hard, but I actually think it's don't think long and hard. Yeah. <laughs> like you it, probably don't have the gift of celibacy. Yeah, you probably don't. <laughs> Do you struggle with lust? Then you don't have the yeah, gift of 100%. celibacy. I'm sorry. <laughs> we should do a podcast on that sometime because yes. that's a, that's an interesting one. It's like what even is that? Um, but if you don't, I mean, you you need a wife, and for a thousand reasons. But that's a perfectly legitimate one. It's funny the world would scoff at that. It's like, oh, that's so patronizing. Is you need. You need a wife, you know, so you can have sex. It's like, well, do you have sex? Yeah. It's like, it's like, well, then you just don't do well, that for the ten same, years. Like the and same then, thing they would do to justify like pornography. Well, it's like I'm a sexual creature. Yeah, I need I I need to express myself in this way. Yes, okay, yeah, that's what we just said. Yeah, but when you when you <laughs> say that I want to do it in a way that respects the dignity of the other person and it offers myself in a lifelong commitment, and it's just like oh, how patronizing. <laughs> yeah, it's like well, let's just use women one after yeah. the other, and that's 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 empowering. Right. Did you have something you wanted to add to that? Well, I was just going to read from 1 Corinthians 7, yeah. um, just in line with what we were just saying, um, first starting in verse 3, the husband should give to his wife her conjugal rights and likewise the wife to her husband. For the wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. Likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Mm. Do not deprive one another, except perhaps by agreement for a limited time that you may devote yourselves to prayer, but then come back together again so that Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Um, so that's like a command in scripture. Yeah. Do not come apart, right? Um, and, and key there is by agreement mm-hmm. for a limited time. So if one or the other wants to be together, then you're together. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's clearly the assumption of this text. And back to kind of what I was saying at the beginning, um, directed at the ladies is ultimately it's about obedience to Christ. Um, not how you feel, you know, not what you just want to be doing, but what, what does God require of me? You know? Mm-hmm. And I'm always telling the kids at school, you know, whoever obeys instruction is on the path to life. Um, we think that obedience is going to be a drag, but it's actually the way to joy oh, it is. and mm-hmm. the way to life. And mm-hmm. it's, it's the best you know, mm-hmm. and I can think of many times in our marriage because things happen. You have kids, you're super sleep deprived. You're like the last thing on your mind is being 
won physically. It's like, seriously, how do we have time for this? Mm -hmm. Um, But if God says it's a priority, we need to prioritize that. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, as women in obedience to Christ, so... And and it actually helps out your relationship. Like once, because if you're trapped in the prison of I'll do, I will, we, we will be together when I feel like it, like anything, like any, any matter of obedience, it's like, you will never feel like it. Mm-hmm. Like you, you just won't feel like it. Um, you, you won't come closer together. You'll actually will come further apart. Mm-hmm. And when you decide to put that to death and give yourselves to each other, um, the Lord, just like all obedience, like you said, just blesses that. And yeah. you, you want to be together. The feelings follow, you know, don't, don't let your heart and your feelings lead you. Mm-hmm. You lead your heart, you know? Um, and I, I was thinking of when, when we were preparing, getting all the camera set up, um, John 12, I think it's John 12. Yeah. Verse 24, Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Mm-hmm. Whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Mm-hmm. But the Christian life is about dying to yourself. Yeah. And we talked about men, you know, husbands lay down your lives, you know, like Christ laid himself down for the church. And like we're Christians as women, and all of the Christian life requires us to die. But the encouragement is there's never a seed that goes into the ground and mm-hmm. dies in Christ that does not bear fruit, That's right. you know, and there has been so much fruit in our marriage, um, through those little deaths to mm-hmm. self, you know, and, and, and it feels like death. Like sometimes obedience feels like death. You, you, you truly are like, wow, I have to do this, um, in a million different ways. Um, but there is life on the other side mm-hmm. of death for the Christian. Um, so just to encourage the ladies out there, die to yourself, you know, you're not trapped in the prison of your emotions No, and you, you can, you can be free. You can lead those things. Yes. Do you not feel that one of, I mean, I touched on this in the sermon, one of the most toxic things about feminine culture, and you see this in the church a lot is actually, um, the constant victimization, mm-hmm. self victimization, self pity. Self-pity is Poor kind of me. like, um, we're not allowed to tell women that they ought to be obedient, that they ought to yes. do things they don't want to do, that they are under authority. But it's not actually um, it's not actually respectful of women to treat them like little flowers. No. it's not. It doesn't actually dignify women to no. say that you are not even capable of controlling your crazy. No. Like, that, how, like even that sentence, that's like inherently demeaning. Yes. Whereas if you treat women like they're actually adults mm-hmm. and they're actually Christians and they actually possess the spirit of God that's right. and they have duties and obligations the same as everyone. Yes. And God's spirit will empower them to fulfill them. You actually dignify women. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of like, look, you have a duty to your husband. It's like, how dare you? It's like, how dare you? It's like, I don't want my daughters to grow up to be like that. No. I don't want to raise women who, every time they're told something, play the victim card. Yes. That's actually just a weak, pathetic person. Well, it's like it's like you were saying, um, it takes great strength to be a godly woman. It, it actually doesn't take strength of character to nag and control. And complain. And complain and freak out. And stomp around and get your way. That doesn't take any kind of strength whatsoever. That's, that's the easy way. Mm-hmm. But the way of strength 
is is the self denial um is and i i failed at this so much in our marriage and there's grace for those times when we fail but as women we need to stop making excuses um like you're saying and and yeah, walk in repentance. All of the Christian life is a life of repentance. This right? is one of the reasons I love Beck so much. Is she just doesn't do the whole like falling on the sofa fainting thing. Like never has. She's the one who told me what it meant to be a man. Yeah. No, it's funny how um, an actually strong woman is totally not like the strong women we see in yeah. all of our media. Right? Yeah. You talk about the fainting. Yeah. Woman. Well, the ones that claim to be strong are the ones that faint when they hear something they don't yeah. like and but like you I mean you're talking about true strength strength in Christ mm-hmm. but yet being submissive mm-hmm. to your husband and to Christ mm-hmm. primarily to Christ mm-hmm. under your husband so yeah. it's just it's just this backwards thing like it actually takes strength to obey God and yeah. be yes. the man or the woman that he calls us to be yeah. and this goes for men too right we all have a calling um we don't get to just hang around and play video games and mm. go hang out with the guys after work. Like there's, there's stuff to do. Yeah. Um, and we need to be obedient in all, in all of that. Yeah. And, uh, Is it hard. Second Peter or first Peter where he talks about, um, faithful women are the daughters of Sarah. Yes. Mm. And, and she, she called her husband Lord. Did, do you call him Lord? at the, at the house <laughs> No, I don't think I have done that no. yet. <laughs> Gotta be real biblical here. Maybe we should start. But it ends by saying that, um, you are her daughters if you do not fear what is frightening. Right. Yes. And it's it's like when you talk about a woman's responsibilities, one, that's offensive. And then if you say her responsibilities are actually to um, have a posture of submission, it's like, well, that's dangerous. It's like, okay, it is, one, um, all submission to any authority is dangerous, whether it's our submission to the state, our submission to our pastors, to our um, submission to one another that Paul says in Ephesians 5.21 – and to our spouse, there's, there's an inherent risk and a vulnerability that comes from any submission, mm-hmm. legitimately. But that doesn't mean you can get around submission. It means you need to rightly exercise authority. Mm-hmm. But nevertheless, and, and so a plug for women, it's like, don't marry an ungodly man. Yes. Like, right. Look for a man who is who can live under authority. Yes. Because if he can't submit to authority, he is, should not be in authority. No. So does he... Um, respect his elders and is he a member of the local church and does he attend a, a small group where does people he, know him does he honor his parents does he honor yes. his parents his employee does he keep a job or is he always complaining like is look he, for those is things is he repentant is he transparent right. when he fails yeah, when he fails and accountable when he fails because he will fail yeah how does he deal with that when sin comes up in his life yeah. like those are all the things you should look for and so you can mitigate the risk but nevertheless you're going to marry a sinner yes you're going to be part of a church where the pastors are sinners you're going to be part of a country with a state is, is sinners where mm-hmm. you know your parents are sinners even if they're godly you still have to obey them um and yet it's not an excuse for disobedience. And the way that people think today is like, oh, that's so dangerous that you realize that if you submit to someone, um, that could be dangerous. It's like, well, Hmm. we need to put all the buffers around that about limited submission. All submission to human authority is limited because all human authority is limited. You never have to disobey God in order to obey someone. In fact, you never can do that. And all these things. It's actually wrong to do that. It's actually wrong. Yes. Yes. But... There still is a risk. I mean, being my wife, um, 
there's a risk and it's it's a bummer sometimes. And it's like, yeah, he just failed there. He's failing in a marriage, he's failing with our children, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But is it not more dignifying of women to tell them to pony up and to put their faith in God and to not fear everything that's frightening? It's like, well, if I do this and something bad can happen, it's like, yes. Yeah. And it's like, why is that actually, why does that count as like a reason for disobedience? Mm -hmm. I mean, without the, you know, without all the things around it, it's like, yeah, yeah, you're marrying a sinner just like he is. And uh, he'll let you down. And there's a, that's a frightening prospect. Yeah. But it just, your hope is not in your husband. No. Your hope is in God. Right. And he's, uh, he has right authority and he never fails. Exactly. Yes. Right. So when your ultimate trust is in God, uh, who we're supposed to submit to, that fear should not exist. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. And and you think of Christ, like he entrusted himself to the one who mm. judged justly. Like he yeah. entrusted yeah. himself to the father. Mm. Um, in the face of the greatest injustice and atrocity, like they killed him, the sinless son of God. And if, if we as women are to be helpers in, in the way that God is a helper of his people, if this is part of how we bear the image of God to this world, then we look to Christ as our example. And he entrusted himself to the one who judges justly like we we can trust god we we can't trust that our husbands will always be perfect but we can trust the one who is perfect mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. we aren't safer when in the face of the things we are afraid of we choose to disobey mm -hmm. we're safest when we you know what the king says is always right mm -hmm. even if the whole world is against it like we are not safer going our own way and mm -hmm giving way to anxious striving and toiling and trying to make things happen, subverting God's way. It's just not the safe route. You know? so, so the men can demonstrate, can honor Christ and exercise dominion by being servant leaders in their home and by protecting and providing materially and spiritually women reflect um, Christ and, and join this task of dominion as they help and submit to that leadership, support him and, I would say the result of that and the way that we glorify God is by the intimacy that we enjoy. Um, the role, the, the purpose of every covenant is intimacy. This is why the theologians say the covenantal refrain in Scripture is, I will be their God and they will be my people. Mm. And this is the great end of the covenant. It's to know and be known. Yeah. And you saw that with Adam and Eve, and he knew her, right? And she conceived, and we see this in the end of Revelation, um, the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of earth will become one, and and God will dwell with His people. And Jesus promised to us, you know, um, all authority has been given to me, and I will be with you always, even unto the end of the age. Relational intimacy in every single aspect is the goal of any covenant relationship, and in marriage we glorify God by that. And that's a change. I mean, we don't just live together and share a bank account. Um, but we have our separate things, right? Like I have my career and you have your career and we kind of come together over here in this little compartment. It's like, no, 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 no. Um, our marriage exists to glorify God. And one of the ways primarily it does that is through our companionship and intimacy mm -hmm. with one another. And obviously there's many barriers to that, that by God's grace, you spend your lifetime overcoming. Yeah. But it's one of the main, it's one of the blessings 
of of a godly marriage too. And but it's got to be the priority. Um, it's it's that we actually, you know, if if something else is coming into our marriage, it's it's secondary. You know, if what she's doing is affecting the marriage, or if what I'm doing is affecting the marriage, then it gets put on the back burner. Yes, and the priority is is our union. Yeah, and that that will help our kids and that will help our church and that will help our friends. And that will be a good thing when that's rightly ordered. Um, so yeah, marriage is, is a beautiful thing. It's a gift. It's, it's central to the task of dominion that God's given us. And it's, So let's yeah. move on to that. I mean, you guys have done a great job describing yeah. sort of a godly marital situation. How does this uh, help the church take dominion? over the world. Well, I would say as people have a better understanding of the um role that their marriage has in that, they will do a better job of it. So if they think like I know marriage is good and it's in the Bible and kids are good, uh, but not much more than that, it's hard to see how you're going to be engaged in the battle when you don't even know your marching orders. So we need to move beyond a simplistic understanding to see the foundations. Like, this is how God is exercising his rule in the world through your marriage. Mm-hmm. Your marriage is the way that God is manifesting his rule, his character, his likeness in the world. One of the primary means is your marriage. Mm-hmm. That's that's a huge shift. Yeah. And that means you you take it, like, it becomes so much more important. Um, and you are so much more intentional and you give so much more thought into, mm-hmm. oh, am I doing that? I heard a helpful analogy and I'm trying to think who it was by and I can't think of it right now. But um, it's like each individual marriage and family and home, um, you have your culture, which, as you guys have said, is just in decline. Um, and if you want to change the culture, you've got these individual homes and they're like the individual springs bubbling yeah. up flowing down in this beautiful stream that's then going to nourish the culture. But so often we get it backwards and we think, well, I'm going to go out to the culture and I'm going to dismantle all the idols and I'm going to be out there speaking to this and doing this. And it's like, your duties are right in front of you. Yeah, that's good. Do do your duties and that spring is going to bubble up in healthy marriages, healthy children, and that then overflows into the rest of the culture. Yeah. Yes. And there's a very literal, real sense in which your primary duty is your kids. Yes. And that is the biggest way you can affect the world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is by raising godly children. Yes. Who put 100%. their trust in Christ, right? Yeah. Yes. And so, I mean. Which is why the state is trying to take the role right. of parents. Because they're trying to exercise their dominion. Again. And where's they the know attack it's through the kids. Yeah. Yes. They know it's the children. That's yes. why they completely reject the authority of the parents over the teaching of yeah. the kids. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But they're not like, well, we'll just build more roads. It's like, no, no, we're going to get in these kids' brains, yeah. you know, yeah. intuitively. That that was so helpful back. It's like, mm-hmm. well, if you thought that the task of Dominion was, you know, become a politician or make a lot of money or something like that, I mean, you've, you've missed the primary place that you can serve. Yeah, and I think... Um, I think it's Nancy Wilson who said this, but she said, and and she was basing it off of a Puritan saying, um, duties are ours. They belong to us. Um, Events are the Lord's. Right. But in in the craziness of our world, it's so easy to get consumed with what what are the big events happening and how do we respond? What do we do? And it's like, 
What are the duties that God has placed before you? Yeah, are we keeping up with current events instead of keeping up with our spouse? Yeah. Am we've, I? we've got it backwards. Yes. Hmm. Yeah. Well, excellent. This has been really great. Mm. Really great. Um, I have a book recommendation. Oh, you do? I do. Come on. I know, you, I know you guys often well, end yeah. with that. What so. are you reading, Rebecca? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Jer. Just do the lead-in. Um, it's called The Excellent Wife, A Biblical Perspective. Hold it up to the camera. Oh, is it the camera this way? By Martha to Pierce. To millions of viewers. Highly. Martha, Martha Pierce? Martha Sorry, Pierce. Martha Peace. I didn't even say Peace. your name right. Martha Peace, okay? Yeah. Um, amazing. It's a great It's name. basically a handbook. Um a biblical perspective on what it means to be a godly wife. And I'm actually not fully finished. I'm about halfway to three quarters, but it's been really amazing. So would that be helpful for men as well? Do you think? Um, I actually think there's a, there's a partner book to it. Okay. There's a, there's one for men. Um, I'm not sure if it's done by her husband or by somebody else, but I'm sure if you look this up on Amazon, there's a men's version, which I have Martha, not read. Maybe his name's Martin. Martin. <laughs> What are you uh what are you reading now right now when you got on the go? What I've actually been enjoying most recently is the history curriculum I'm teaching. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. I mean, we went through the French Revolution, the American Revolution, and uh now we're looking at the expansion west. Um it's just a simple open book curriculum, you know, you read a chapter on something, but I actually really enjoy flyovers. Especially with history, I love, obviously getting in the weeds is important, but it's nice to just have a big picture, like what's going on at this time. Right. And uh, I I love it. So I'm, it's funny. I, I've just actually really been enjoying that. I don't know if I've said that to you, but I read it and I'm like, this is great. And I've been preparing some of my own questions for it, for the, mm. the kids thinking process. We were talking about the Luddites, the Luddites, Luddites, yeah. Luddites, Luddites. and how they went around burning factories and... um. Just so encouraged by the application of history to today. You know, human nature doesn't change. Yeah. And I'm, I mean, I wish um, that I had this kind of education where we would read something, but think about, you know, what what is what is the application to today? So our application was something like, you know, is, is technology inherently good or bad? Or, you know, how else does scripture talk about technology? Mm-hmm. Well, it's a tool to be used and... This type of thing. It's like it's great to be thinking along those lines. So I'm that's one of the things honestly I'm reading most right nice. now is my history curriculum. You're also nice. reading that book from Ryan. Yeah, shout out to uh Ryan. He let me borrow um a that's book. Ryan Black. Ryan Black o- officer. Well I figured everyone knows when we say Ryan. <laughs> he's more than a constable, right? Yeah, he's, constable. No, he's a sergeant, maybe. Okay. I don't, I don't Major. <laughs> and uh I'm reading a book on post millennialism. Okay by Kenneth Gentry. And uh, it's fantastic. It's one of those resources you can pick up. He answers a lot of questions, like frequently asked questions and particular texts that he deals with, kind of the hot button ones. Mm-hmm. So you don't even have to read it all the way through at once. You can just go and like, oh, I wonder what he says about this. Mm-hmm. Finding it super helpful. Nice. Yeah. Hopeful. Nice. Good. Well, yeah, that's one of the uh, reasons people gravitate toward that view yeah. is the the hope. An eschatology of hope. That's right. What are you reading, Jer? I am reading, uh, I got a couple things on the go. I'm reading Kingdom Through Covenant, which yeah. have been, has been recommended to me by a million people. So I'm about you know, maybe 20% through that. Yeah. Uh, enjoying that. Uh, and I'm also reading a book on typology. 
from uh, James Hamilton. Do you know James Hamilton? Yeah. Uh, Which is actually really good. Um, I'm quite enjoying that as well. So I, that's an audio book. So that's that's my driving book, and Kingdom Through Covenant is my reading paper book. Yeah, at the moment. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Also, still in the Silmarillion, which I'm very much enjoying. Mm. Uh, but that's kind of a when I just need to get away from, you know, the real world mm-hmm. and just enjoy some fantasy for a mm-hmm. bit. Mm-hmm. So that's good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great. Do you have any fiction on the go, or are you just reading that? I do. I'm I'm rereading Stepping Heavenward by Elizabeth Prentice oh, right I now. Don't know that one. It's amazing. Any, yes, any ladies listening, I actually need to recommend it to you. It's so good. So I read it maybe about four years ago and I'm rereading it and it's just a jewel. Mm. Yeah. So, it, I mean, it's very devotional. Um, it's written by very Puritan-esque, um, but it's it's not, um, it's, it's fiction, but very um, devotional mm. and encouraging. So. Just so the listeners know, we here at the Dominion Podcast do not use the word Puritan in a pejorative sense. <laughs> Clearly. That's a good thing. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah, if you were to tell us we were very puritanical, we would say thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> much they appreciated. Were, they were devout yes. people to be. <laughs> Don't know if I deserve your praise, but That's I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> we all would have been excommunicated from Puritan churches for not being devoted enough. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) that's probably true. Well, I'll leave us with this as we start at the beginning. We'll end at the end Mm -hmm. uh, from Revelation chapter 19, uh, verse 6. Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder crying out, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give him the glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure, for the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. We'll see you next time on the Dominion Podcast.